Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And on this episode, we are, uh, we're gonna let you guys peek behind the curtain on how we have so much fun with this game. We're gonna sell the secret sauce. We're gonna show the formula, so to speak. I don't like how you're saying this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you object to the sauce part? Because I objected yeah, to it. <laughs> I objected to the sauce part. Don't show our listeners your secret sauce, Joe. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I don't think I could be doing that. That doesn't sound ethical. Um, but today, we are going to talk about a topic that, uh, to be honest, don't see talked about a whole lot. Uh, at least not in the way that uh, we plan on talking about it. Um, we want to do a full episode to discuss list building and how we make it fun. And how we break it down when we're going to approach a game with somebody. Because I think we've sort of banged on about the social contract a lot. And the social contract is very important. And don't you worry. We are going to talk about it a little this episode also. But uh, I think there's also value in specifically discussing how we approach list building. And maybe... Through us walking through our process, you might find ways to uh, better your list building process to have more fun with your pickup opponents or with your, you know, tournament prep opponents. We'll get to both. Because I think if you have a certain mindset when you're building a list, you're just going to get more laughs at your tables. But first, hobby time and games played. John, hobby progress. What you been up to? Other than building lists, of course. Uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been busy uh, between work and the traffic, making my commute uh, twice as long. <laughs> That's brutal. It's That's been, very brutal. I haven't, yeah, I haven't had really had it like time during the work week, uh, just because life. And then on the weekends, I have had a lot of obligations to go do, uh, mm-hmm. which has made it difficult to fit in hobby time. And I haven't really been reading GW stuff. Um, kind yeah, you've of been in take... Battletech, haven't you? Yes, I've been reading Battletech uh, novels, which we'll gladly talk about Battletech if people want to hear about Battletech. Just saying. Um, but other than that, I have been looking at other games to try. Um, with the kind of stuff that's been going on, I've been looking at other stuff to potentially play or cover, like Conquest or Infinity, so if listeners out there have any games you want to suggest uh, us to look into, uh, please. Happily do so, yeah. Give us a a shout. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a, how would I put it, a lot of negativity in the community at the moment. Some of which, very fair. Some of which, I'd argue, not so fair. Um, and either way, it's just, uh, you know, a little tiring to be in the GW sphere at the moment. So uh, I've similarly been dipping my toes into some other stuff. 
Uh, I also did some looking into Battletech. I mean, I won't say looking into like I've never done it before. I mean, John and I have played insane a number of hours of Mech Warrior online together. <laughs> um, but I never really got into the lore, so I've done some uh, some poking around there. Yeah, and a, a friend of mine, Perry, is just very, very full of Battletech stuff Man. and Mech Warrior stuff, like lore, knowledge about like the game. So that's going to be something we do dig into. Um, I don't think that we're really qualified to talk about the GW stuff, uh, so we're probably not going to be talking about the whole stuff going on with GW here. Yeah, I mean, if people want to know opinions on specific things going on, I mean, if you really want to know, like, our disembodied voices have any weight, feel free, to, I guess, to reach out to us, happily talk about it. But generally speaking, I'm not an IP lawyer, nor do I sit in the meetings at GW, so I would uh, feel weird for me to come out here and espouse a whole bunch of stuff as fact that I simply ain't got. Um, and we are Kentucky Fried Wargaming, so we'll talk about other war games if we need to take a break from GW. We still plan on covering GW stuff. It's not going to end. We're still interested in the games. It's just right now is a hard time to be involved with that specific part of the wargaming hobby. So yeah. We're branching there's, out and trying new things, which is healthy to do sometimes. There's a whole lot happening over there. Just take it as an opportunity to look around and see what other cool games are out there. Because, y'all, there's a ton of them. <laughs> um, and they're all super cool. Yeah, maybe we'll pick some more up on the channel. But um, other than that, what have you been working on, Joe? Oh my god, I feel like I have been talking about this for the past few weeks. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of hobby stuff in terms of like painting or building because my wife and I are closing on our first house this Friday. Like, two days from the recording of this episode, we close on our first house, which is very exciting. Uh, as I've talked about before, I get my own hobby room dedicated to hobbying, super amped about it. However, with that means I got to pack up all the hobby stuff where it is. So over the past week, I have tore through the hobby closet. I have tore across my hobby desk, the sort of hobby organizer I have, and started pulling stuff out. Um, I boxed up a vast majority of it. Some of it I simply got rid of. They were like just old bundles of sprues for armies I didn't have anymore. And while... I don't necessarily like throwing away sprues that have some bits on them. You know, when you're in a rush and you gotta move, your priorities change a bit. Um, so got that done. Vast majority of it is now packed up and ready to go uh, so that we can get it to the new house in the safest way that we can. At least try to. Um, I did have to leave some stuff out because we're going to have a, a game day this weekend. John, myself, uh, our buddies Tanner and Corwin. So I can't pack everything up. I had to leave uh, my Sylvaneth out so I had something to play. But afterwards, I will be uh, getting ready to go to the new hobby space. And I'll probably have a, you know, a hobby hiatus, if you will, until I get there. Because, well, it's all boxed up. Can't paint. Can't airbrush. None of that. Uh, however, I did do some work on list building. Apropos for the episode. Um, as I've talked about before, uh, some local friends of mine have been kicking around the idea of doing a crusade game. 
which is something I have been interested in since 9th edition dropped. Uh, however, uh, as a lot of people out there who've probably played Crusade know, it is a weird thing to do if everybody in the Crusade doesn't have book supplements to give you unique Crusade rules. Uh, but in this case, a vast majority have them now. So I am getting ready to go in on a crusade force. And I'm going to play me some orcs. And I'm so excited to play these big, dumb, green boys. And uh, I wanted to make myself a list so I know that what we were getting into. Um, and we're actually going to do an escalation league rather than normal crusade. Because, John, did you know crusade doesn't escalate? Yeah, we were talking about that the other night, and I was incredibly uh, surprised. I thought I had read in the rules that it did work that way, and I had misread the rules. Yeah. Um, I think that's stupid. I, I fully concur, because I thought that was the, the point of this sort of thing, much like Path to Glory was to grow your army over time. However, per the rules, uh, you start with 25 power level of models on the battlefield, and outside of that 25 points, you have another 25 points and uh, like what they call a a battle regiment, but it's essentially just like off the field in reserve. And you can add points to your reserve amount, but at no point does what's on the field get bigger. So even if you have 2,000 points waning in the wings, according to the Crusade rules, only 25 power level of stuff ever hits the field. And for my group of friends, I find that to be pooty. That's pooty. No good. So Yeah, I, like, I won't judge other people if they prefer it and like it that way. I just think it's more fun to have like a series of narrative games where you set the points values for each. Normally in escalation fashion, maybe like back and forth a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, we are just going to have set times uh, where we go up in like game size. And I'm going to use myself and my buddy Jake, uh, and I think Mo is also going to do this. Uh, we are going to use as, as an excuse to build new forces and paint them as we go, which is super exciting. And um, the downside, there's a downside to that, which I'll get to, but I'm very excited. So I have uh, been list building and coming up with a narrative for my orcs. And... Uh, the new Beast Naga kits have really captured my attention. So essentially, I'm going to be playing a group of orcs that have just barely risen above feral orcs. And they have just got the technology to make sluggas uh, and get out there and try to go to war with the other factions that are in this system. And with that being the case, that meant I didn't want to put any vehicles in my army. I didn't want to put any trucks. I didn't want to put any of the snaz wagons or the jump shock dragstas or the planes stompas anything like that because you know they don't have the tech for that yet so i made a list that was all beast snaggas just boys on squigs and i super excited uh i think they're gonna be really fun and if i ever am gonna add vehicles to the army I'm going to wait to do so after I kill one of their vehicles, and then I'm not going to tell the other guys this, but instead of buying the vehicle kit, I'm going to buy whatever kit that they have in their army that I killed, and I'm going to chop it up to become an orcish nightmare that looks like a truck or whatever else I, I am throwing in the list. That's amazing. 
So like you're making like it's it sounds like Redneck Horizon Zero Dawn. And it I'm is a huge fan. It is. It absolutely is. That is the inspiration. I'm playing dumber Horizon Zero Dawn orcs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like if I uh, my buddy Mo's playing Sisters of Battle. So if I kill that new tank that he has, the Castigator tank sort of deal. Uh, you could bet your bottom dollar I'm gonna have the orcs cut the roof out of it, stick a uh, a squig being fired out of the front of that cannon, and then uh, since they don't know how to work an engine, I'm gonna put a ship mast in the middle of the tank with a sail on it, and that's uh that's how they'll get it moving. They'll I, sail I it across the battlefield. See... I want to see a rendition of Take Me Home Country Roads, but with orcs. <laughs> I'd want it desperately now. Uh, I'll see what I can do. Um, yeah, I, I'm very excited about it, and I would love nothing more than to hobby them right now. But that does lead to one of the challenges. Um, the other people in the group are already painting their models to, you know, be able to start... I can't even buy the orc stuff until September. So it's kind of going to put me in a bind. I'm going to essentially move into the new house. I'm going to hopefully have time to unpack and then immediately have to paint a green tide of orcs in no time flat. Um, Cue the 80s montage. Yeah, because I'm going to be way behind the eight ball. They're sharing hobby progress, you know. Look at how much I've done! And I can't help but think that they're bastards. Because I I can't even get a hold of the kits for love nor money. Um, I'm not sure why the orc kits were delayed, but it's unfortunate for me. But that's okay. I can answer that question. It's to release Kill Team and also the new AOS stuff. <sighs> yeah, I'd rather have the orc kits. They could have kept Kill Team. Um... We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, that's another episode. <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer the York kits. However, uh, everybody's in the group is super understanding. Like, what could, what could you say? I literally can't buy it yet. Um, however, uh, maybe we'll start late in September. Depends on how quickly I can get 20... What is it? 27 models? Yeah, 27 models for my 25 power level list. Because orcs. Works. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I also sold my big Tyranid bundle to my buddy Andrew. So there's my seed money to buy my orcs. Yeah. Orc money. Mm hmm. Going from Xenos to Xenos. Can't help myself. I really wish Games Workshop would let me walk into their store, rip out all my teeth, put them on the counter, and use that to pay for orcs. God, that would be good. And I wish my teeth grew back as fast as orcs. I want to be like a land shark. Yes. Technically, the shark guy from uh, Suicide Squad is a land shark. Nanawe? Yeah. He is a land shark. He's a sharkish kind of creature on the... Actually, he's a Rokea from the World of Darkness. Um, John, you probably don't know what that is, but... I have zero idea. <laughs> uh, they're were sharks that live in the ocean and hate humanity for what they've done to the ocean mother. Rad. Uh, and they can turn between human form to uh, essentially Nanawe form, to Megalodons at will. Rad. Oh, and they have uh, blood-fueled ocean magic. Even cooler. Fantastic. Yes, yes. Uh, and they never leave the water, ever. And to breed with humans, they simply look at them from a distance, think really hard, and then bam, you're pregnant. <laughs> Weird. Weird. 
I don't know. I don't know if I like that. That one's that, that was the one thing that made me go, not so rad. Welcome to World of Darkness, John. No time to explain. But now, on to list building. All right, John. List building. What do we mean when we're talking about list building? Like, obviously so, it is putting models on a sheet, but, like, what are the things we need to keep in mind? Or in an app or whatever, but... Yeah. When you sit down and build a list, there's generally, like, in my opinion, three types of lists. You have very, very funny combo lists in which you are trying to do something wacky and crazy and your opponent knows about it and it's going to be weird. Either it's a narrative game or a super casual game or maybe tournament prep. Then you have tournament prep lists in which you are making a list with the intention of taking to a tournament and you're going to play it with your friends and the eventual like, like first draft of this will get refined down through multiple practice games until you're ready and confident in its ability to perform well. And then third is your average pickup game list to play with your butts. And I think what we're going to be talking about most here is that third one. Um, I think that the other two are included in this conversation, but they kind of, if you if you can master the third one, you can do the other two very, very well. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it is, it is deceptively difficult to come up with a fun list that kind of hits the nail right on the head in a pickup game. You know, it's it's one thing to make a list that is just randomized models that you've thrown on the table. You know, throw darts at a dartboard with no synergies. And it's another to make some super powerful list that you Googled and show up with. But trying to make your own that lands somewhere in between in the right skew or lack of skew um, can be difficult. And yeah, I think we've all seen a time when it went one way or the other too hard um or experienced a time when it went one way you know in one way or the other oh yeah and it's a bad time uh if you're a newer player and someone brings a super 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 hard list to crush you while you're just trying to learn the basics uh that's gonna stick with you that's an awful time or you know vice versa it's just it's not bueno and for us we are fortunate now that we've had some experience with it to avoid these issues a lot of the time, but it's only because we put effort into trying to avoid it. And I think yep. uh, that effort, even in small pieces, goes a long, long way to improving your enjoyment with the game. And we also put an effort in every time, you know, whether it's going to be tournament prep or a casual game with our buds or like, I want to try this weird thing or I'm, I'm thinking about playing this army. So I'm going to proxy it with models I already have mm -hmm. to see if I actually like it before I pull the trigger on spending that money. Like you always have these conversations first, right? Like we've talked about the social contract and the first step to making the list building fun or making list building do what you want it to do is having a conversation with your opponent. You know, at a tournament, you're not going to get to do that. You are playing to win. But when you're doing tournament prep, or you're doing, like, a casual game, you absolutely have the ability to talk to your opponent and go, what are you bringing? What should I, like, plan for so that I don't so I have a good time if it's a casual game? And then, also, if you're doing tournament prep, you have to talk to them. 
you know, you it isn't tournament prep if you bring a tuned up super strong Sage Rikari list and they're bringing like a bottom of the barrel, just whatever I have, Tyranids list. That's not tournament prep. That's just you bullying someone at a table. Oh, yeah. They're not going to actually help you prepare at all. Yeah. You're not getting what you need or what you want out of the game. And I think that's the most important step that you can have in this process is to talk to your opponent about the purpose and what they're looking for in a game. You know, if they are somebody who's newer and they're just trying to learn a little bit and they're just bringing what they have, that says a lot. Okay, I know that you're not looking for a really hardcore competitive game. I know you're not looking for a super efficient game. And I also know that you're not looking for a super, super complicated one because you're newer and you're still trying to learn the basics. Okay, cool. I can take all of that and I will consider that when building my list so I don't ruin the fun that we're about to have. Yeah. And, you know, points values also come into that. We're like, you're going to take different units at 1,000 points and you're going to take at 2,000 points. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a given. You're not going to bring a, a, a corn Lord of Skulls to a thousand point list because that's just not gonna be fun for anybody yeah like, you're gonna lose on objectives the and they're gonna get wiped it's just it's gonna be a bad time um and also you want to know what units your opponents are bringing so you don't accidentally counter build them um for example let's say john and i are getting together we're gonna play a you know just a fun game on the weekend I'm bringing Sylvaneth. He's bringing Skaven. Uh, let's say I built my list in a vacuum. I threw Dreicha Hammerdreth, who's a particular hero in it. And I threw a, a, a horde-busting spell in it. And then John shows up to the table, and he has decided to bring a fun list that is all clan rats. Oops, all rats. And he's bringing nothing but horde. Well... Now my list has accidentally got a couple of Horde Breakers. It's probably going to be a bad time for John. However, if I had the conversation beforehand, you know, hey man, what are you bringing? And he tells me he's bringing like a goofy Horde list. I'm probably going to take out some of that Horde Breaking. Because if I don't, it's not going to be fun. I'm not going to take out all of it, because I definitely want to have a game. But not so much. And, yeah, and for like a 40k example, say like uh, some of you will remember the old triple executioner list, right? But there's a there's a smaller, less broken version of that now where it's got three gladiator tanks, right? Say you bring a, in a 2000 point game, you know, all your base troops and like three gladiator tanks and your opponent's playing like Imperial Guard. They're playing massed Imperial Guard with just like bodies. Mhm. Right? And you've brought in three of the Reaper gladiator tanks they're just super anti-infantry that guard player is gonna have a really 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 bad time and you've really just kind of wasted a couple of hours rolling dice and going haha your dudes are dead that's all you've accomplished yeah that's not that's not gonna be fun you didn't have a game so to speak um same thing you know if i roll up to the table and i have no anti-armor and john brings nothing but chaos knights that's game. You know, like it's, I have nothing to fight against you. It, this is not going to be a game. Um, and that could have been avoided if we had just had a conversation before game 
to ask what we're bringing. So don't be afraid to ask people what their units are. Or to, if someone asks you to let them know. I mean, I know that generally speaking, the response is, Oh God, what if they're going to counterbuild me? And you know what? They might. And if they do, don't play that shithead again. But I... Or have a conversation with them, like one of the two. Yeah. Be like, hey, don't do that, bud. I understand that's your, like, initial reaction, but don't... that It kind of ruined the fun. Or you just go, well, I'm not playing with you again. Like, I'll find someone else who has a better attitude about having fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Some people have different tolerances. I won't... I'm not here for that. Like, you know, I extended the olive branch and you lit my olive branch on fire. What a douche move. But then yeah. you've learned something about that player. And I honestly, I think that's a minority of the player group. I don't think that's what most people would tend to do. And with a good conversation, it's a tool rather than a hindrance. Um, I think a lot of people want to recreate the art they see in the books or like the short stories they read in their codexes or like the epic struggles in these novels. Like they want to recreate those. They don't want to just laugh as you lose. Yeah, man. want to have fun. My favorite games I've ever had were nail biters. We're down to the wire. Uh, and you only get those types of games if the lists are relatively close to each other in terms of punch or power. Um, it's just, it behooves everyone to try to get closer to one another and being able to tailor your list for your opponents to make sure that you're both near each other are going to do that. It's always going to be helpful. So that's kind of the higher, uh, 40,000 foot view philosophy of what to think about when you're going to get into it. But let's get into the nitty gritty. When we go to make a list, after we've done those things and we're keeping all of those in mind, what do we act what's the process for us to make a list? With 40k, AOS, you know, or any even other game systems, doesn't matter. What are the processes for us? Well, for me, the first thing I do, and you might be a little bit different, Joe, is that I start from the top and I go down. So I stop I start with okay. Uh, in 40k, I pick the the formation, and in AOS, I pick the the formation, whatever they're called over there. Battalions. That I want to use battalions, um, and then I pick like, okay, how many heroes am I going to need? How many troops am I going to need? And then I pick that as my base, and I like that let that dictate where I take the rest of my list, right? Yeah, I mean, I actually do the opposite. I start at the bottom. Um, for me, every time I go to build a list. I'm always pondering, like, I think to avoid having a skew list, you just want to start with getting your battle line or your troops first. So for me, every list I go to build, I'm thinking about my troops first. I will get them settled so they're out of the way. Um, so, for example, if I go to build my salamanders, I know I'm bringing a battalion. All right, I'm going to just go ahead and put down three groups of intercessors right at the start. No questions asked. Boom. Those points gone. Um, because that means now I can go anywhere I want because I have the backbone down. You know what I mean? Yep. I think I might be a little bit different because I mostly play Chaos or um, like combined arms factions like Tau. And so in those, you kind of have to pick HQs first because mm -hmm. that dictates like kind of what kind of... Uh, 
troops you're bringing. Mm-hmm. There's, that's just how that ends up going with them. Yeah. But then after that, we got to pick like our tanks and like our dreadnoughts and like our elite units and stuff, right? Uh, well, you can pick toys next. However, for me, after I pick troops, I pick HQs. And for you, after you pick HQs, you pick troops. So we're opposite there. But essentially, yeah. the the thing that I feel is important is that you actually pick your toys last. Um, I, f- I have seen where people are real excited to get to the toys. The tanks, the heavy terminators, the big five-wound monsters... Uh, actual <laughs> Titanic monsters. You know, we're all real excited to get those toys. And sometimes being too excited to get the toys means you end up bringing a whole lot of them and your opponent might not be prepared. Um, yeah. But if you save your toys to the end, you're kind of ensuring that that can't happen. Or at least you're hedging your bets on it. I mean, you've already picked your HQs and your troops. I'm assuming that's probably eight and up over a quarter of your list, maybe a half. Um, so now you have more free reign in the in the toy department. You can run to yeah. any aisle you want. Well, not so much. Uh, in my experience with toys, um, to help prevent a feel-bad situation, unless your opponent is bringing way too much anti-armor, you need to tone up to tune up because, like, you're an un- you have a you don't have a codex yet or something. Mm-hmm. You don't want to bring more than two of any one toy. Honestly, you probably just want to bring one of a toy. Like, you don't want to bring three. I'll use Gladiator Tanks as another example, right? You don't want to bring three of those. You don't want to bring three Forge Fiends, right? Well, let's also take it a step further. If you bring one Forge Fiend and then maybe one synergistic Force Multiplayer piece, like a uh, Lord Discordant, well, then only one thing is getting that buff. If you bring three, you have now just tripled the effectiveness of those three Oof, things. Hardcore. And the the other side effect is your opponent is probably not spamming anti-armor that is effective at killing that toy that you're bringing or that, you know, the, bringing the fire needed to t- deal with that toy. If you bring three of them, you are basically guaranteeing you still get to play with that toy throughout the whole game. And I think that when you're playing a casual game, your opponent needs to have the option to go, okay, you've gotten to play with that toy a lot. And I think that everyone should get to play with their toys. But at some point, it becomes like too much for a casual game. And then that toy needs to be taken off the table by a a Redemptor Dreadnought punching it in the face. Yeah, I mean, I do think that's a good thing to mention. Because my ADD brain ensures that I never bring, like, triple something. Just because I don't like the look of it, but... I could definitely see that being a problem. I mean, hell, we saw it for a long time in like 40k with the Triptide list. Um, yep. Where people just would bring triple Riptides and ruin your day. Well, yeah, and what what made... The, one of the reasons I suggest this is because it also makes a much more fun game for both parties. Um, I used to bring like a bunch of Chaos like stuff right Mm -hmm. i would play like different chaos legions different chaos lists against my friend perry who was also playing salamanders and he loved bringing redemptor dreadnoughts and he would bring one and then he would bring a different dreadnought and then a different dreadnought and like he had different styles of dreadnought he didn't take three of the same dreadnought and then he filled it out with a bunch of different like different troop options 
and like a hand like some aggressors i think and like some really cool characters if i just spammed like some of the best units out of the chaos space rain book i would have won every game but they wouldn't have been fun mm-hmm. whereas like when i bring one demon prince i've put some relics on and he's like really cool guy maybe like one mechanical monstrosity maybe a bunch of like dudes and like different squads of dudes uh when that dreadnought and that demon prince fist fought in the middle of a table it was great it was rad we didn't know who was gonna win and like that made a focal point for the whole game of like whoever wins this is gonna have the upper hand and we can we'll, so we'll see where this game goes from here uh, it became very fun very quickly because we each only had one of the same thing uh, of like a similar style like a similar power level model and when they was too fought it was like watching Godzilla versus King Kong where you're like big monkey like <laughs> let them fight yeah and it 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 kind of engineers fun in the game before you even sit down to play which i think is a very good thing to try to do in this game because it does take like three hours to play a game of warhammer 40k God, or age yeah. of sigmar yeah i mean these are not short endeavors i had one game last night that went down to the wire and it was over three hours long like if you're gonna be there for that long you might as well make it as much fun as you can because you're gonna you're putting a lot of time into it, you might as well get to return. You know what I mean? The return yeah. on investment, as people put it. And like, I'll give a secret, to like to all the listeners. I don't necessarily care if I win or lose. If I'm playing a competitive game, or if I'm playing like tournament prep, or I'm at a tournament, yeah, then I care. But in a casual game, I'm just there to play the game and have fun. And honestly, when we get into like the meat and potatoes of the of the game, we're like, we it is dude versus dude, cool moment versus cool moment. I'm not even thinking about who's winning. I'm thinking about how much fun I'm having. And you too can feel that if you just build in that kind of way and get your friends to also build in that kind of way and have these conversations of like, hey. I want to have a fun time with this game. How can we both build a list that's going to be fun for both of us to play? And kind of in in there, build. Okay, we'll say, I'm going to bring world eaters, right? I'll bring you know, a squad of corn berserkers. Ten-man squad. Well, say my buddy Perry brings a squad of aggressors with flamethrowers. Well, they're a clear counter if I charge. He can overwatch me with those flamethrowers. And he'll have a great time with that. It also makes a puzzle for me of how do I deal with this thing? Like, how do I deal with the thing that I can't charge and pummel to death with my arm with my arms? Like, what what do I do? <laughs> uh, well, John, I believe they're called guns. Yeah, yeah, I've checked the math. They're called guns. No, no guns. World leaders are the orcs of chaos players. God, that's true, and I hate it. You guys just have less fun. You're just mad all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's like that movie Anger Management. Oh. <laughs> it is, and I hate it. Um, <laughs> so, if that's the nitty-gritty of how we build lists, essentially, for me, it is troops first, for John, it is HQs first, and then we, you know, we move on to the next piece and swap, where then I do my HQs and John does his troops. If the key is in that order and do your toys last and try to be cognizant of how many toys you're tripling up on, um, then I guess to sum it up, 
then how do we keep fun at the forefront? Once we've built our list and we're kind of moving forward, what do we specifically do to keep fun at the forefront? And John, I think there's a simple answer to this one that has many facets, but it's very yes. simple on its head. Yeah, I think this is a topic we could talk about for about another 20 or 30 minutes uh, easy and go through every individual instance and you know still have a lot more to talk about. But I think it all kind of gets encapsulated by one statement. Yeah. I think you have to, at all points, consider your opponent at every point. That's it. That's the secret. That's how you keep fun at the forefront. Always have your opponent in mind. And if you do that, and they do that also, you are going to have fun. It's that simple. Now... There are a bajillion examples of how this works out. I'm sure you can think of a couple out there yourself. But at all points, it's going to work for you. But here, let's throw out a couple of them. So, for example, let's say John and I are going to play a game. And I am rolling up to the table and I am bringing my Tyranids, which are a, a faction that is really rough. They don't have a new book. They're in a tough place. They, you know, even at their best, are kind of struggling. And let's say John is playing Admech, you know, the competitive boogeyman book. At that moment, John is kind of presented with a decision. Does he crush me or not? Now, of course, in the example, John understands the rule. And John will, instead of bringing the normal ad mech stuff that stomps tournaments, will tone down the list. Because he knows that my maximum output is way below his lowest. Um, and in that case, you get to choose to bring your list down a little in order to try to have a closer game. And it's only because you thought about your opponent's situation that you even realized you could do that. Or that you should do that. You know what I mean? Yep. That is the best way of looking at it. Um, alternatively, like say you have a two middle fat tier armies, right? Like the, the fat middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they are both about the same. But say me and Joe again are going to play a game. And Joe's bringing... Uh, decked out ultimate bringing all the tricks that this faction has the best units the most cost efficient units all of these things brings all of those things right mm -hmm. and i'm playing a similar army in which i he tells me this is what i'm doing i want to push this middle tier army to the maximum potential that it can be pushed to and i want to see how how hard it can go mm -hmm. i have that same option to go i too will take this army and push it as hard as I can I, it can go and they're in roughly the same power level roughly the same tier like we both push them all the way up that's still a fun game oh yeah that's still that's still like good game because we discussed it ahead of time and who knows maybe we'll find a new strategy through that that we could go well oh, this might be competitive yeah you might like, stumble across something and go holy crap that's actually good that's not like wink wink nod nod good no no that's good <laughs> Yeah, and like that's also 
a benefit of doing this. Like, it's not just to have good time fun. It's also if you are a competitive-minded player who wants to find stuff that you're bare, like that's very good. This is how you do it. You know, you're not gonna, you can't prove your theory-crafted list until you have someone to play against that is going to be challenging enough to test that. Yeah, and I mean another example. Uh, our editor Seth is getting into Seraphod. They are a competitively speaking strong army. Let's say Seth is deciding he wants to go to a tournament. And he really wants to try to push to try to win or get as high up as he can to do as well as he can. And he needs some practice. And he comes to me and goes, hey, Joe, uh, will you help me do some tournament prep? I, you know, I really want to do well and I want to, I think I got a good list, but I, I need to get some reps in. And of course, happy to help. But in that moment, for me to give him what he needs, I have to tool up. I got to go hard. I got to go real hard because in that moment he needs to prep for this environment that is going to be very efficient, very powerful, very skilled. And for me to try to simulate that when he's practicing and give him the experience that's going to help him, I've got to absolutely bring my A game. I mean, I'm looking at online lists. I'm digging through the book for synergies. I'm looking for the most cost efficient models that I can get. I'm thinking about deployment as hard as I can. I'm thinking about, you know, the actual battle plan as hard as I can. I'm, I'm using... picturing all of this to an 80s montage, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking about the little dirty tricks to, like, get intricacies with pylons and making it inefficient. Stuff like that. And in that moment, while is that necessarily a casual game? Hell no. But it is what my opponent needs. And that, with him in mind, I'm going to tune up to try to help him. Um, and I bet you we'd have quite a game. Because we both were trying to think of what the goal was. You know what I mean? It's just so, so simple. It is deep, yet simple. And I think for... Yes. You know, for folks out there... If you simply follow the guidelines of trying not to stomp your opponent, <laughs> and uh, when you build your list, you're just cognizant of what you're bringing and what they're bringing, and you always keep your opponent in mind, I think you're going to have good games. I think you're going to have a lot of fun, and you're going to get the most out of this hobby, because let's be honest, we put a whole lot of time into this hobby. We spend a bunch of time building, we spend even more time painting, and we... At least in my experience, I spend more time then organizing games than actually getting to play the game. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. So here at uh, Deep Thoughts Thin Coats Incorporated, we spend too much time thinking, not enough time playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, you did all of that work, all of that effort to play the game. I want it to be good for you. I want you to get the fun. It it's kind of like if like someone promises to take you to like a really nice pizza place all week and it's like yeah we're gonna oh no not pizza place like say they're like oh yeah we're gonna go for great Italian we're gonna go to we're gonna have the best Italian food you've ever had in your life it's gonna be fantastic I know you were working hard this week and by the end of the weekend uh we're gonna get here like Saturday Saturday night we're gonna go to the most wonderful place to be we're gonna get two nice glasses of wine have a great meal and then they take you to Olive Garden. Oh, 
Oh. Yeah. It's like, don't, don't spend all this effort and all this hype and all these things and do all these things to then run a game in which one person leaves it like an hour and a half into it going, oh man, my, my whole game's over. I lost. There's no point in playing it. I guess I'll just go outside and have a smoke. Like I didn't even get a bottomless breadstick. I didn't even get a bottomless breadstick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's. You know, oh. it's a letdown, and I don't want y'all to have that. And as much as possible here at, you know, the Kentucky Fried War Gaming, we really want to help people have more fun because we want to have more fun. And I think, I don't know, with hobby being as relaxing as it is in a world that is exceedingly chaotic, uh, having the most fun you can out of it is just a wonderful thing to put effort towards. However, we're not pros. So for people out there who've maybe played longer than us or... Uh, maybe I've had different experiences. What do you guys do to get the most fun out of your games? You know, how do you get the most laughs per minute at your tables? Is it similar to what we do? Or did we maybe miss some stuff? If we did, I'd love to hear it. You can reach out to us uh, in the comment section down below if you're on the YouTube side. Or reach out to us on social media if you're listening on uh, one of the podcast platforms. We appreciate you. Um... If y'all also wouldn't mind, if you like the show, give it a like or give it a rating so that other people can find it. Uh, We'd love to slowly grow bit by bit over time to reach more people to just increase the net amount of fun. And uh, if you want to be a real champion out there and increase our fun, uh, send the podcast to some friends. Um, I genuinely think that this conversation could maybe spark some, some change in your groups if you send it to the right folks. Um, so feel free to send it to them. Uh, we'd appreciate it a lot, and hopefully it helps your group to have a little bit more fun at the table. And of course, we'll be back with you next time for another topic. But for now, that's been all of our opinions. Bonafide Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all next time.